imagine that 10 years ago, DNA testing was, was just starting. So when I started my talk show, Lopez Tonight, in 2009, we had an idea to say who was blacker, Charles Barkley or Snoop? Because it's not about color, it's about lineage. And who would you think is, is blacker between Snoop and Charles Barkley? What's going on, y'all? Doug Smith back again. Another episode, Birdie's Not BS, alongside of Cheyenne Woods. I'm so excited. We got one of my favorite people in entertainment and golf just in the world. We got George Lopez on this week. I mean, we talked coronavirus, DNA tests, Scotty Cameron putters. I mean, it runs the gamut. And if you listen long enough, you'll actually hear information about Donald Trump's true ethnicity. Cue the lowrider music. Man, between Snoop and Charles Barkley, I'm going with, I mean, Charles is from the South, so I'm going with Charles Barkley to be more black than Snoop Dogg. Yep. (laughs) By 4%. 4%, Really? And Snoop Snoop said, I want to recount. I was like, you can't recount DNA. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. uh, But then also, but then also we started to do other people to find out what their lineage was. And we, I did it. The Kardashians did it, and also Donald Trump did it. And when we read the results to Donald Trump, he did not return to get his findings. And there's only a few people in the world who know what his actual DNA is, and I am one of them. Wow, is it? So remind me at the end of this episode, and I will tell you. I thought he was just white. (laughs) We we called him because back there he was just a businessman. So we called him and said, we have your results. And he said, well, read them to me. Well, no, we want him to be revealed. We're not going to tell you. He goes, well, I don't like, I don't want to get surprised. So tell me or I'm not going to go. And when we told him, he said, I'm not going, I'm not going in there. So where did you fall, George? Uh, I am uh, 34% Native American, 9% Asian, and 4% Black. Wow, that's Asian. I don't know if I'm more yeah. excited about the Black part. I knew you was right? my brother, man. <laughs> Wait, what, what was the percent of Black? Four. That's all that matters. Four percent. That's strong. That's strong. Hey, you know, I used to go to the clubs. I'd go, go, ladies, I'm four percent, so it won't hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, man. So first and foremost, I want to welcome George Lopez to Birdies Not BS. George, thank you so much for for joining us on this uh, special edition. This is the Corona edition of Birdies Not BS. (laughs) Listen, it's got my it's got my full attention because today was a. Today was a uh, worldwide uh, eye-opening day in results of testing and, and, and Italy and in New York and everything. And, and you know, to, to think that uh, that beach in Miami or even uh, last weekend here in Los Angeles where people were at the beach, it's like it's, it's not cool to be at the beach. Like when they mm-hmm. tell you to stay home, you have to stay home. So I see Cheyenne nodding. Doug, you know, right? I, I haven't left. I, I've, been, I've been with my beautiful wife here since uh, Tuesday. Of last week so I'm, I'm on day six so how about you no I've been home and I've been out to the course a little bit but even in doing that it just feels strange and especially like you said with now more and more of the results coming out you just feel like it's not worth it you know obviously playing golf is a luxury and technically we could go and do it but right now it's just it's not worth it you just got to be safe you know what it feels like like when you're playing golf like you know we all love golf and when you're out there, you really aren't have. There could be so much going on in your life, and out there, yeah. it 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 disappears. But it's with gone. this, 
this is more it takes your it's a it's a it's a it's not a distraction it's a worldwide issue that I don't think being on the golf course can eliminate that from your from your head because there's it, the clubhouse isn't open the the restaurants are closed the starter isn't open the lakeside over here where I'm a, I'm a member today they closed all week probably wow. beyond that but when you go out to go golf to get away, you're not getting away because you can't take your mind off yourself. Right. You're still reminded by it. And even the little things, like people are putting the holes up so you don't reach your hand in the cup and you don't touch the pins and wash off the golf cart. And yes, golf is a solitary sport and it can be individual. But at the same time, with something like this, you're still going to be affected by it. When they tell you to stay home, they really mean to stay home. And, and, yeah. and um if we have more days like this, I mean, listen, the one thing that clearly social media is excellent for right now is all of the connections that people are making. Zoom, I hadn't heard of until uh, like a couple of days ago. It's a great way. But also the memes and people's sense of humor, DJ Nice and all that stuff mm -hmm. that people are doing, being creative at home is the best thing about social media. There's a lot of hate on social media. I think everybody knows that. Mm -hmm. We've all been uh, victims of that. But what uh, balances that right now and even surpasses, I think, people who are haters is the optimism of people and the creativeness and the ideas that people have for being able to be home and, and be safe. See, George talks about DJ Nice. That's how I know that 4% black is true. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I, I know it's true. My yesterday. man. I have, I, some, red, yeah. I have, some, red, I have yeah. some red Saborski crystal shoes. <laughs> and uh, somebody said, who would buy those shoes? And I said, uh, somebody that's 4% black. <laughs> as long as you I don't have no shoes. now or later gators, we good. <laughs> no. 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 See, I know you've been around said and, and, and Steve <laughs> Arby, so you know, you oh. might have some, some of that shit might have rubbed off on you, George. They would, they would tell me, what's the hardest part about, about performing in front of African-American audiences? And said, jumped in, he goes, waiting for them to show up. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> we, we didn't start we didn't start one show on time the four years that we toured wow <laughs> hey real quick though because I, I do want to talk about the tour george but the tour the restaurant books brewing company you know philanthropy those types of things how yeah. how is the george lopez uh enterprise kind of being uh impacted by what's going on in our in our space right now I, I can't say that that the fact that it's closed and it was doing really well, they just opened the one in Torrance and all that. But but more, but I think the most important thing is that all of those people that have jobs are now do not have a place to go and do not have a way to make income. So uh, the brand is strong. My concern is, and my partner's concerns are that, you know, a lot of people here live week to week. A lot of people don't have a lot of disposable income and cannot absorb, maybe not working for a month or two months, or even, you know, even sad to think beyond that. So, so um, that's the concern. And then a lot of people are doing that. The companies are kind of trying to pay the employees, but uh, the brand, yeah, it's, a, it's we're affected. But the, the what affects me is all the employees that are affected. You know, San Manuel Casino, Las Vegas, Arizona, Viquiva, all great golf courses out there, all closed. Restaurants closed, brewery closed, um, businesses closed, people home, daycare. I mean, it's just, it's, it's everything. So um, is the tour postponed? Yeah. I don't even think that there's been anything in, and I'm almost, you know, I'm 58. I'll be 59 next month. There's nothing in, in my life that's ever even come close to anything remotely like this. And that's crazy because it's not, it's not a liberal thing. It's not, it's not a, a conservative thing. 
This is a global issue. You know, we like to think about ourselves as, you know, uh, you know, hey, how do you do in New York? How do you do in Miami? How do you do? But, but, but you know, golf is a worldwide game that's affected and everybody in, on earth is affected by it. There's not a place in, in this world that is not dealing with, with this. And our commander in chief and all of that, we have to get one message because, uh, you know, it can't be winging it and misinformation and all the vaccines. God bless, but you know, we need real information. Definitely. I think all this has taught us that nobody is immune to this. And there definitely is uh, a weak point in our world of being able to be taken down by this. And everyone's life is affected by it. Even as, you know, a professional athlete, you think we have very flexible schedules. You can go out and work in any state, any country. Um, but as a golfer, you know, my tour has been suspended, postponed, canceled until who knows when. Um, so definitely is a very strange time. And uh, again, like even the golf world, we're not, not immune to this whatsoever. And you, you have to look at when we do return that people won't have the floating income that they, that they had before this, nor will I think that even some sports, MMA, anything that's contact, will have to look at how they will proceed knowing that a virus, blood, saliva, sweat, and the transmission of all of that, right, Cheyenne? I think yeah, in all the in all the contact sports, they're going to have to take a hard look at it. I agree, and even though this might be solved by June or July, where we're able to open things back up and get to traveling, I'm thinking about at events when you have thousands and thousands of fans. Are the players going to be interacting as much? Are they going to have different regulations for letting people come in? Sanitizer everywhere. I think long term it'll change how we go about our business forever. Well, you know, Trevor Immelman, Masters champ in 2008, is a very good friend of mine. And when they canceled golf, he said, golf has been canceled for the year. And I said, why don't you go back to the commissioner and tell him that the players promised to hit it straighter so that they have very few uh, contact with, with the gallery. <laughs> that solves everything, right? So, George, given our recent climate, you know, in the country, being a comedian, how do, how do you stay light? And how do you keep everybody light and upbeat during this time? I mean, we're all in. Have you made any concerted efforts to, to do different things on social media or reach out to folks? And what, if, what are you doing to keep a smile on your face? Well, I think, I think if you – look, I've been doing it for 40 years. So June will be 41 years. Jeez. So I'm not going to change the way I approach my comedy now. Uh, in uh, January, early January, I went viral. I got a lot of attention. The Secret Service came to visit me at home. Because there was a story that uh, in Iran, they had offered a bounty. And my joke was that I said, we'll do it for half. Well, <laughs> they, they considered that a threat. And the right side was trying to get me uh, thrown in uh, jail. And then when the Secret oh. Service came to my house, I said, listen, you don't understand our culture. That was an estimate. It wasn't a threat. <laughs> That was, that was how much I could do it for. That was my price. Find somebody to do it cheaper, that's on you. But that's me out the door. Material all in. But so you have to you have to go, like what they say, you know, when you're golfing, you're playing bad. You got to go with what what got you there. You can't, you can't change. Like I'm, I may have lost half of my audience because I chose one side against the other. That That's just what I'm going to have to live with. I, I, I have to, at the end of the day, be myself and all of, that stuff that gets me in trouble is me being myself. Well, let's see how often you do get in trouble on the golf course. 
how did you even come to this sport of everything to play and everybody you're around? I mean, there's not a lot of land out in L.A., so there's not so many places to play golf. How did you even come to the game? Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, if I had not taken up golf, I'm not sure where I would be. I don't think I would be in the position that I am right now because I didn't have a male figure. I didn't have a father. My grandfather worked all the time. I didn't have someone who would say to me, listen, you have to be responsible. You have to be honest. You have to have integrity. You have to be polite. You have to be courteous. And when I started to play golf in uh, Christmas Day of 1981, my friend Ernie called me up and he said, let's go play golf. And I'm like, it's Christmas, man. It's closed. I call the place. They're open. So we went to El Carrizo in Silmar and we rented clubs and they sold us beer, even though we were 19, 20. And that day we didn't know what we were doing. We were laughing. We were swinging and missing. And uh, I haven't put a club down since that day. And some of the best times I've ever had with the best people that I know have been people that I met playing golf. So golf is a, uh, it's more than a game. It, it became like a uh, surrogate. Uh, those 14 clubs, although probably families are bigger than 14, uh, became almost <laughs> like my, my extended family. That's, now, and that's real talk, man. Knowing firsthand, I know you carry way more clubs than 14 in that bag, George. <laughs> you carry 13 clubs and six putters. Well, you know, I give them away to you, so I got to figure out which ones work. And I, and, That's and never I'm, a good sign when you see a player show up with more than any a club, a putter, or a driver, or anything. That's never a good yeah. sign. Who's counting? That's what I say. Who's <laughs> that in there? Three, George, I have to say, this, this is Maribel. I have to say that the day you gave Doug that putter was probably the happiest day of his life. Whoa, it whoa, made whoa. me a little jealous because he was happier than on our wedding day. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. <laughs> Don't put my business in the street. You know, I was fortunate that, that, that Scotty Cameron sent me that putter, that black tour rat putter, and then it stayed in my garage. And when I saw how, how much golf meant to him and how, how absorbed he was and how much he loved it, I knew that I was going to see him at Cedric's. I told him there, I said, hey, I got this putter that I'm going to give you because if not, it would be on the other side of this wall right here, which is my garage. And I don't think that as I got older, we became hoarders because as an only child, I didn't get a lot. So anything I had, I, I held on to. But as I uh, became uh, successful in, in, in my business, I became more generous. I think it's very few people that become kinder with success than they were before they were successful. Agreed. I'm one of those. All I know is that shot I had to hit after you handed me that putter, um, that's the hardest golf shot I've probably had to hit in my life. He actually bet me for, in a sense. He told me, hey, Doug, if you make this putt, you can have this putter. And uh, I missed the putt, needless to say. <laughs> but and he not was by like, much. But, but was, not by much. Y'all, high side lip out. I'll never forget missing that putt. Never. Not by much. That never. dude said, say goodbye to your putter. And I was like, oh, no, that's going in. <laughs> Do you have your own celebrity golf classic, correct? Tell us more about that and, and how you got into doing that. Well, you know, I had a, a well, this, this is also one of the reasons I haven't left home. So I had a uh, kidney transplant in 2005 and I was sick my whole life. And I had the symptoms early on, but as a culture that didn't go to the doctor and they went undiagnosed, like they just thought that, you know, I wasn't concentrating. You know, my grandma's like, oh, I used to wet the bed because as a, as a, my kidneys weren't working properly. So I would, I would wet the bed and she never said like, we got to figure out what's going on here. She would just say, don't drink water after seven. Don't drink water after five. Don't drink water after three. Don't drink water before noon. All of a sudden it's like, don't drink water all year. And I still did it. So if I had gone to the doctor when I was 15 or when I was 18 and I was 
in great shape because I played baseball all year round. And still my blood pressure was a little bit high. Even when we took the physical in for high school baseball, my blood pressure was a little high and everybody else passed. And the doctor said, if I were you, I'd go and get that checked because I think you're too young to have hypertension. And that was a effect of my kidneys not working properly. So if I would have gone then, I probably would have saved for sure, had saved both my kidneys. But since I didn't, in 2005, I had a transplant. And then I remember telling the doctor that I don't want to be the poster boy for my transplant or kidneys. I just want to get better. I want to go back to work. I just want to go back and live my life. And literally a day and a half after the surgery, I got up in the morning and I had felt better than I had felt in my life. And at that point right there, Cheyenne, I decided that I would help people. And the best way for me to help people was to, you know, uh, create a foundation, but also uh, to create the golf tournament, which this year it's postponed, but I think it was our uh, 14th year, maybe. And we raised millions of dollars and that became from that morning where I woke up and I felt better that I could not let people be sick when I knew how great I felt and I could help them be well. Wow. That's awesome. That's what they, I think is so special about golf is that you can have causes and events that truly impact so much more than yourself, your immediate community, um, and just have that platform to spread uh, so many good things throughout yeah. whoever. It's the best way. There, there are people do bowling tournaments and all that stuff. But I think golf is yeah. It's the, it's the best way. It's the best way. And I have two, two things that I'm proud of. From Three, I'm proud of raising the money. But I played golf with Cheech. I've been playing golf with Cheech for over 20 years. And Chong didn't play golf. So I said, well, if I got Cheech playing golf, I got to get Chong so I can get Cheech and Chong to play in my tournament. So I talked to Chong and he already was playing a little bit with his son, Paris. So in the last few years, I had Cheech and Chong play together. And Bruce Jenner played in my tournament uh, like the first two years. And last year, Caitlyn Jenner played. So I have that yin and yang and Cheech and Chong. (laughs) So, 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 you know, from a, claim the fame. from a cliche perspective, how is golf with Cheech and Chong? Um, they smoke too much weed. I can't, I can't play with them. <laughs> I never had a high tolerance, but they smoke. Uh, you know, the, the, when I first met Cheech, Cheech is like, you got to come to my house, you know, on a Sunday and I'll cook, we'll cook. So I go over to his house, just me and him and we eat, we go outside and he lives in Malibu uh, in the Cove. So. We got on top of his thing at a viewing point. So you could look at the sun go down. And he takes out a little matchbook, the kind you slide, and it, there's a half a joint in there. And he's like, hey, you want to smoke? And I said, yeah, I don't really smoke, but with you, come on. Yeah, yeah, so I that. smoke a little bit. We, he, we say goodbye. I get in my car, and I drive up to the gate, and the gate doesn't open. So he's already inside. I'm looking at the gate, and I'm like, is it opening? Is it not opening? I think it's opening. So I'm looking at it. Literally 20 minutes go by. He knocks on my window and I roll the window down. He's like, hey, man, you got to go closer to that gate. They're too far. I was still probably 50 feet from the gate. And I thought that I was right up against it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and it took me five days to get home. Talking about golf and, and, and golf kind of, you know, being instrumental part of your, of your life. What lessons has the game actually taught you, George? Oh. Well, you know, I, I loved baseball before I played golf. And I remember in high school, I got into a big argument with, with the guys that I still talk to were behind me. And um, the coach was trying to build a, a, a batting cage. So he was having us sell tickets to a car wash to raise the money for the, uh, the nets and the batting cage. I didn't sell hardly any. So when I went back and turned my 
ticket book and he said, you owe me $150. And I'm like, what's that for? He goes, for the tickets that you didn't sell. I go, I didn't sell any tickets. He goes, yeah, but you're responsible for the tickets. I said, I didn't know I had to sell all of them. You know, you, you're going to take advantage of, you know, using the facilities, but you're not willing to put $150. And so we had a heated argument and he called me a quitter and he called me uh, that I would never become successful in life because when it got tough, I packed it in. That's what he said. Get tough, you pack it in. So, so cut to four years later and I'm starting to play golf and I, and I don't know what I'm doing and it gets, it gets frustrating. And every time it got frustrated, I quit. So after like a few months or even a year, I can't remember how long, um, when I left, I, t- I would tell these guys, Hey, I'm only going to play nine. Cause I got, I just remembered I have to do something, but it really, I didn't, I was lying. That's, so that's, there's one defect. So when I got in the car, I could hear my coach say to me, when things get tough, you pack it in. And I went and back to the school. He hadn't probably seen me in five years. And I went up to him and I apologized for uh, being a disturbance while I was in high school. And that uh, he said, is that what you came to tell me? And I said, yeah, that's what I came to tell you. I said, I don't think I could have lived if I had not come and apologized to you for the way that I treated you and how disrespectful I was to you. And he stuck out his hand and he goes, you know what, man, there might be hope for you yet. And I'm, I'm serious. I don't, I don't think I would have could have lived if I hadn't have gone I didn't even see that guy a lot. He just passed away a couple of years ago, but I could not have continued my life without going and apologizing to him. And that was a first. And that was through golf. I'd never told anybody I was sorry. I would just remove him from my life. Wow. So in the same vein, I'm sure golf has put you in touch with people that have been instrumental. I mean, you talk about Cheech and, you know, those types of things, but you know, who are some of the folks that, that have been impactful to you that have come through this relationship with the game? Trevino and I are like family. So we're like, we, I would consider, he considers me family. I would consider him family. And watching him play and, and seeing him on the cover of Sports Illustrated, I never imagined that he and I would have this relationship. So that. And then uh, this, you know, Eddie Van Halen was a member of my club, but never showed up. And then when I met him, I said, hey, you're a member of Lakeside. And he goes, I haven't played him forever. And then he and I have been playing golf for the last 10 years. Who are some of the best celebrity golfers that you have played with? Well, I think Kenny G, I would probably say maybe 10 years ago, Kenny G was an incredible golfer. And Kenny G had a room that was set up underneath his house that had the nets and the simulator back then. We're talking about 2005 on. Listen, I, I, I get the work I need on the range. I don't need to be doing it at home. I don't need to start. Just leave it at the golf course. How how much uh, do you get to practice, George? Not very much. All right. I got to ask George, if you're going to go play golf and you can play with anybody, who is your, well, one, who's your foursome that you usually play with? And who is your, like, this is my dream foursome dead or alive. I play with Anthony Anderson. I play with Cheadle. I play with Cedric, with DL. Um, And my dream foursome would be Elvis Presley. Hmm. Freddie Prinn Sr. and Richard Pryor. Oh my God. You know, my grandmother my grandmother wasn't around, and thank God, because uh, she was always on me for for comedy and for and for playing Richard Pryor's uh, Long Beach special a thousand times. I mean, it was on a loop in my house. So if she were alive, she would say, Hey, what happened to your idols? I'm like, who? Freddie Prince committed suicide. Mm. Richard Pryor lit himself on fire. And the third one, Bill Cosby. 
So oh, that, I, that can, I can I can I sure pick them. So I'm glad you're not around. I would, <laughs> I would have never I would have never heard the end of. Uh, and then Charles Manson was a fan of mine. I found out. So I would have never heard the end <laughs> of any of that. Well, Cheyenne Woods is a fan, so that's that's a step in the right direction. That's all yeah. I need, man. That is a step in the right direction. So, all right, we've talked about who you who you do play with, who you would play with. Now, I want to ask you, George, who needs a lesson from Shy? Anthony Anderson needs. Um, he collapses at the top, <laughs> and he sways. But when he hits a good, he he really hits a good. But I mean, um, Anthony, myself. <laughs> long, we can we set can, that up we can definitely set iron, that up long irons yeah so um that it would all be great I'd, we'd love to have you out we'd love for you hey when we when the tournament gets uh re uh re a new date i'd love for you to come out oh that would be awesome we yeah. definitely need to do that for yeah, sure that'd be, that'd be great that's easy, George. I've only seen you hit two shots in life, and they were both almost hole in one. So I'm, I oh, feel wow. like I'm, I feel like I'm your good luck charm <laughs> on the golf course. Give me a bag. Let me see how this comes out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll know. Damn. But absolutely. I mean, I met you guys through golf, so. Mm-hmm. So, so actually, I have a question for you. Uh, in regards to that, it kind of ties into that because we talk a lot about diversity in golf here on Birdies Not BS and. I think that there's a parallel between the TV world and the golf world sometimes. I know that back when you had your show on TV and it was canceled, I remember you said something about how, well, thanks a lot for basically continuing to make TV, uh, you know, white, <laughs> essentially, you know, like not, not diverse at all. I the TV got whiter today, yeah. Right, and, and we feel that golf – has that problem, obviously, which is why we want to grow the game. So do you think that there's a clear parallel between the TV world, what you've seen in the TV world and what you see in the golf world? Okay, I'm going to be quite honest with you guys. I first played in the Bob Hope in 2004, and I first played in the AT&T in 2004. I played in the AT&T for nine years. I played in the Bob Hope for uh, four, and I ended up hosting the Bob Hope. And I appreciate all of the invitations that I got, but I got uninvited from the AT&T because, because allegedly my political views did not match the political views of, of the people who ran the AT&T. So, but which, which, which is, which is fine. And everybody wanted to know what I thought of it. And, you know, I didn't want to whine and I didn't want to complain and I was grateful that I got invited. But the, the, re, the reason I got uninvited was I just kind of wore out my welcome. They, they didn't wow. appreciate what I was trying to do. Same for the, same for the Bob Hope. I, I spent a lot of money making sure that the caddies and the golfers had a great time. I brought music into the Bob Hope. I had a party for caddies and golfers where you could, there wasn't a buffet you could order from the menu maybe $30,000 every year from 2000 for the three years out of my own pocket. Any guy will tell you. And the board uninvited me because it was their 50th year. And uh, they decided that Arnold Palmer would have be a better host for the 50th year than me, which is great. He could have been an honorary host. It could have still did it. I wasn't trying to make people forget uh, Bob Hope, nor was I trying to be the next Bob Hope. 
I was just being myself. And Mike Collins, who everybody knows, mm-hmm. if you ask him, he will uh, validate uh, everything that I've said because I think it hurt Mikey and I more because we were, were trying to grow the game and to get um, that type of treatment from two tournaments that I highly respected and golfers that I respect and people that I respect that um, were trying to grow the game. That's what I got. They're trying to help out. So, Do you think these institutions get in the way sometimes, George, in the, in the effort to grow the game amongst uh, black and brown communities? No, I just think it's a hard game. It's a hard game, but I'm not a pro. I was The, the, the fans like me. I didn't wear my welcome out with the fans. For what I was there for, almost like a rodeo clown. You let the guy ride the bull, he's a professional. And then when we become like rodeo clowns, and in the meantime, we do our thing, and then the pro hits again, and we do our thing. You know, I, I, it, I just think that they minimized me because they had going in another direction. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the luster or the attraction of pro-ams on TV. That's true. Yeah. yeah. What do you think is missing then to actually grow the game amongst black and brown people or just minorities and including women? The have-nots. That's what I call it. Well, the, well, you, yeah. can, well you, can't, you can't make it easier. So it's not affirmative. Actually, you're not going to get an invitation. Maybe somebody gets an, uh, an exemption. But, you know, Cheyenne knows how tough it is. You just have to keep playing and keep grinding. I think Christina Kim getting her privileges and get, is an incredible story because she had lost it all. I mm-hmm. lost her, her game and uh, uh, spirit and motivation. And to see her now, you know, I've known her for over 10 years. It, 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 it's inspiring to see somebody not give up. It's always inspiring to see whoever not give up, but it's good to see her back, back in there. Yeah, and golf is such a roller coaster too, whether it's the day, the week, the year, your whole career. You never know what can happen no matter who you are. You know, golf will treat you the same as the next person. So it definitely is uh, an interesting sport to kind of see, like you said, people persevering and hitting rock bottom and coming back uh, in the same career, which is somewhat unique in sports. When I was playing out there in the Champions League, there was a guy named uh, Keith Clearwater who was a uh, very good pro. He was saying that guys come out here because they block a shot and hit it in the water. But in reality, you could hit that shot 100 times perfect on the range, but not until you get under the gun. And you have to hit that shot again. Are you really going to be able to know if you can do it or not? Anybody can go on the range and simulate, simulate hitting that shot and hit it perfect 50 times in a row. But that's not, that's not on the court. Like they say, the longest distance is from the driving range to the first tee, but also from here to here is the long, you know. 100%. Yes. Yeah. And, and there's nothing that, I mean, there's people that have an incredible constitution. They, they, can, they have no nerves. They can block it out but they might not be the best ball strikers. To find somebody that can play their mistakes, Nota Begay, good friend of mine, and I remember uh, uh, Clint, his, his uh, brother told me one time that he tries to hit it perfect every time, and you're not. And he goes, I try to tell him, man, you got to play the mistakes, but Nota tried to be perfect. I mean, look, we went to college with, look at those guys. And I think that, I don't think he'll ever admit that he, he tried to hit it perfect every time, but Clint said, at that time we played at the AT&T, we just, I just wish he would just play his misses instead of trying to hit perfect every time. Yeah, I mean, Noda did have one of the most legendary cool. golfers ever on his team. So, <laughs> Funny, we just had dinner in L.A. and uh, at my house at Pebble Beach, everybody would stay there. Mike would stay there, Cheeto, Anthony, me, Trevor stayed in the guest house. And we were watching past U.S. Opens, and we were looking at all the guys kind of erode 
as uh, you know, the tournament went on and we would see, you know, Faxton and we saw other guys, uh, call Montgomery and then Noda was there and he missed the putt and dropped from the leaderboard. He's like, Oh man, I forgot I was in that. <laughs> it's crazy to think that you could like be in the tournament and then forget that you actually played in it. But George, I know we're getting short on time with you. And before we wrap it up, I want to throw it over to Marty Bell for a question from an Instagram listener. Yes. Yeah, so we have a question from one of our loyal listeners, Instagram handle Jbug Linz. Uh, she wants to know what are the best golf eras in your opinion? Um, 1997 to 2001, the Tiger era, mm-hmm. when somebody could not, somebody didn't miss the cut. Who who stood up to? I mean. Colin Montgomery at the Masters when they played together that Saturday and he got his ass kicked. And Monty was just like under the tree doing the interviews. Like this, this guy's like he he put he put it on me. So uh, it brought a lot of people to the golf that wouldn't necessarily have, have been at golf. A lot of people have stayed, but uh, as tremendous as uh, the Ben Hogan era was and Palmer and Nicholas and Trevino, Player Watson, Weisskopf, all those guys playing, they don't have to. They don't all add up to. I hate saying this. To one tiger. Tiger's era was incredible. Incredible. Can't argue with that. I, I do I have one more question. Oh, Where yeah. do you see the game of golf going? Like as far as modernizing or changing, evolving? Well, somebody who was very high in golf told me that it was always a boutique sport, like tennis. So in trying to make it a big game, I think may have hurt golf a little bit, but golf is wonderful at in Listen, a, a, a perfect diamond doesn't have to have be immense. It's perfect. So I don't, I don't, I'm not saying the game is small, but the game will settle itself, and it 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 won't pass basketball, and it won't pass football, and it won't probably won't pass baseball. But the people who watch it love it, and that's what you have to honor. And trying to start to make it for everybody, it's not a game for everybody, but it's a game for those who will accept it. It's a life-changing game. You can't play baseball till you're 50. You can play golf. and There's people who lose their lives playing. They're in their 80s. And I, and I played in Florida with an 82-year-old man who whooped my ass. And he hit it right down the middle, <laughs> oh 110 gosh. yards. And I was everywhere. But at the end, he couldn't even see what the bills were. He's like, the more. Uh, you lost more. <laughs> but but it's, it's a game. Listen, I mean, you can play it forever. You know, somebody said, how long are you going to do stand-up? I said, this, if Muhammad Ali could have boxed, Until he was 58, he would have. If anybody could play on the PGA Tour until they were 58, they would. So um, it's a game for life. Oh, the DNA results. You promised us. Oh, that's, that's right. fair. Back to it. DNA oh, results. I'm glad we didn't forget about this. Oh, Marty Bell <laughs> wrote it down, and, and actually she texted it to herself, and she had an alert. So she's, <laughs> she made sure she didn't forget that. George. You ready? Game we're ready. Time. 32% African-American. Wow. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. No way. Hand to God. Really? <laughs> you ever see his ass? Huge. It's not you expecting say, that. Yeah, Donald, not, Donald Trump got that Phil Jackson. I, I'm going to say like that. I'm going to say he did wow. not want to return to have those read to him. And there's probably, there was only four people up until about 15 seconds ago who knew. 
Now the whole world will know. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for listening or for being a part of this episode my of Birdies Not Be Whatever my publicist calls, I know it's something back that she never calls. I'll, I'll let you know. I'll, I'll send you a text as soon as she gives me a shout. George, how do people get a hold of you and what's up next for George Lopez? Everything is at George Lopez, uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, everything. And uh, I have a Netflix special that uh, will be uh, probably premiering. I move it up because of the quarantine. Uh, but it'll be out uh, before the quarantine is over. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. We'll What's it called? What, what is it called? We'll do it for half. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. And there you have it. No BS with George Lopez and Shia Woods, a special guest. Also, Maribel Quesada. George, thank you so much for, for everything you've done for me. Uh, I've named the putter uh, James Wandsworth, just so you know. Um, that's his oh. name. He's in the bag. Right. And I'm right. wanding it every time I get on every green. Yeah, so that's, that's how we do it. You can um, play. Cheyenne and I will definitely be in touch to play golf once we get through this. And, uh, you know, we got to get through this together. You know, all I folks know, are really affected do. equally. That's, that's very important. That's very important. And stay home like we said in the beginning. Stay yes. Home. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks again, George Lopez. Next week, we're going to have another great episode. Make sure you tune in. Subscribe. Birdies Not BS. Don't forget to give us a review. You can send us your questions at birdiesnotbs.com. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at birdiesnotbs. Send us all your questions, messages, love, hate, whatever. We'll read it. And uh, we'll be back next week. <laughs>